Well, hey, everyone. I hope you're all staying healthy and safe. I'm thinking a lot about the people who are sick and the people who are on the front lines. I also know a lot of healthcare workers and people who work at grocery stores who are on the front lines, and I'm reaching out to them daily to see if there's any way I can make their lives easier right now. And like you, we're all sitting around wondering what the world was going to look like moving forward. Well, stay tuned for that. Now, this episode we recorded at the end of February, just when we were all realizing the magnitude of all this. It's a special episode for me, and I think it will be for all of you. Jeff Silverman is a marketing consultant and an ad hoc CMO, and we'll talk more on that later. Jeff is one of those people who always has a laser-sharp insight into things happening in the marketing world. He and I talk a lot, and every time we do, I learn something, and I usually think, ah, oh, I should be recording this. So I finally did. And in this episode, we talked about the trends of consultancies and agencies, and that's something you ought to listen to. Jeff even wrote a fantastic piece on it. You can review it for free on our website. It has data to back up his ideas. Jeff also talked about the changing roles of CMOs and what agencies must do to survive. You're going to love this episode. I, I know I did. Welcome to Marketing Upheaval. You're listening to Marketing Upheaval from Creative Outhouse. Welcome to Marketing Out, people. My guest is Jeff Silverman, principal of Silverman One Consulting. Jeff has had a long and successful career as a strategist and brand expert, and has worked with every kind of company from Global 2000 to startups. He's also seen client and agency side. Jeff has worked inside organizations as an ad hoc CMO, and he's someone I turn to when I need to know what's happening out there. His insights are usually different than most people's I talk to. Also, he's usually right. Today, we're going to talk about agencies versus consultancies and the future of CMOs. Thanks for joining me, Jeff. Hey, I'm delighted to be here. Rudy, it's always fun to talk to you about the world of marketing. Well, what's neat is that we always talk about this stuff, but now I get to record it. So. I know. I'm excited. <laughs> so the first thing we've talked a lot about is the changing nature of marketing. And we both grew up in a traditional ad agency culture and structure. So let's start there. You've worked on both sides, agency and client. So what are the general trends you see on the agency side? You know, when you look at the United States, there are, everybody and his brother can be in the agency business. There are 14 to 15,000 advertising agencies and as many as 40,000 marketing service firms when you count things like media buying companies, PR firms, digital shops. It's a category where there's only now organic growth that's kind of the equivalent to CPI. It grows 1% to 2% a year, maybe a little bit more when you count in digital, but digital is still now low growth. It's become more commoditized than ever uh -huh. uh, because most all these agencies are still chasing, you'd say, the same type of client mix with the same service offering and procurement on client side. Uh, they're great at negotiating agencies down in terms of their rates, their compensation. There's no more margin left in the business. And one of the challenges, I think, for agencies is it's very difficult for them to invest in innovation, to develop new offerings, because typically they can't carry the expense for very long. So if they wanted to build a brand new business, a brand new offering, and that took a year before it started to produce revenue for them, meaningful revenue, profitable revenue. It's very difficult for them to do that. I've also seen that almost every agency today in one form or another, they deliver storytelling capabilities. <laughs> um, they are helping their clients with 
purpose or mission-driven communications. And at one point, perhaps that was unique, but it's no longer unique. It's the table stakes in this business. Everybody is doing it. And then the other things that I, you know, that we're seeing is obviously digital and social has risen over the last 10 years or so. Everybody has that capability. But we've also seen the rise of the project manager. And at the same time, we've seen kind of the decrease in the account leader. And so agencies have, how they've responded to, you would say, the diminished margins in the business has been to take out a whole class of older generation of leaders who really had the capability to know their clients, know the business, knew how to lead them forward. And they're no longer left. I don't see them anymore in the business. So it's a real challenge. You know, certainly there's a lot of talent still left in the business. Right. I'm bullish about where it might be going, but not where it has been. Well, okay. First of all, when you said we're agencies are pursuing the same client mix and service mix, what do you mean? Well, agencies, for the most part, when you, you look at them, they all have very similar offerings. They all utilize very similar talent. They have very similar structures. Yeah. So they're all chasing, you would say, a given universe of clients with very similar offerings, capabilities, structures, et cetera. So it's very difficult for agencies to distinguish themselves one from the next. And they have a, a very hard time growing, you would say, a new form of revenue from the rest. And so that's, you know, I think that's probably the, a great challenge that they face. That's true. So what would be an example of a new form of revenue? So as an example, some years ago when I was part of an agency that in turn was part of a, a network of other independents, there were shops in, in that group where one of them created, let's say, an, an innovation business where they served as an ideation and innovation lab for their clients in packaged goods. Mm. And that was not a traditional agency services, but it leveraged a lot of the creative thinking that agencies can provide to clients. That little innovation business became a great business generator in turn for the, for the broader agency, but that consultancy within that agency drove a lot of yeah activity, new business, new thinking, new things to do. So that would be an an example of leveraging some skills, but they also had to hire in from client side and other areas in order to have, you know, true proficiency in that, in that capability. Um, But they made an investment. And so, you know, that was not a traditional offering. Yeah, that makes sense. Because if you just, you know, the old saying, if all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, that, That makes complete sense. And it's backed up by what you said at the beginning, because I know you've done a lot of research and basically the stock prices for all the major holding companies, WPP, Omnicom, Publicis, they're all pretty flat over the years. It's an interesting exercise, I think, for anybody that's in the agency business to read the annual reports of all the mega agencies that are publicly traded. (laughs) When I last read them, they were really, for the most part, indistinguishable in terms of how they described their business, how they described where they were taking their business, where they were going to drive growth in their business. Look at how they've performed. So in the last three years or so, with the exception of today, this is a pandemic day and the market's down 3%. Okay. 
the market has been up. S and P five hundred is up sixty percent or so over the last three years. Yeah, agency stocks. Six out of the seven agency stocks that I looked at are down significantly over that same period. Yeah. One is flat to slightly down, but all seven are down. Wow. So if you were an investor in the agency business model, you have been getting destroyed financially. Yeah. It's a great challenge. The way in which agencies were trying to find their growth was really in three ways. So one was early on, it was, we'll go after digital and, and today, social, mobile. Mm-hmm. They would go to the developing world chasing growth because there was no growth left in the developed world. And then obviously they would you know, grow through acquisition. Digital is no longer providing the great level of returns. The developing world is still a challenge. And they've all been buying you know, agencies, but many of the acquisitions, if you look, that's a difficult thing to bring and sustain. So a lot of that business they might have acquired, some of it does well, some of it doesn't. But it doesn't assure those holding companies who are all competing with each other some form of magic that's going to allow that one group to grow over another. The other interesting thing, and we were talking about this the other day, was throughout this period where all these publicly traded agencies are out there, who audits them? The big consultancy are the auditors ensuring that their practices are good for their shareholders. So the auditors, the big consultancies who are now the mega competition to these big agency holding companies have been inside their books seeing where they, you know, where they're strong, who their client mix is, what services they're providing. Um, They've been getting an inside look at these agencies and now they're taking that business away from them. I'm going to get to the consultancies. I want to ask you, you said that there is a lack of leadership inside agencies. As I was saying earlier, you saw um, the rise of the project manager Okay, you said that. What does that mean? For example, when I started the business, the project management function was typically handled by the account manager. And it was part of the training process that you had. You learned how to execute programs for your clients. But meanwhile, you were also growing in your competencies to how to evaluate a given client's business, their competitive set, uh, the trends that were driving their business. You were thinking about their business in terms, many terms, like a, like a CEO of that client would think. What's going on in the business? Where will growth come from? What kinds of things should we pursue? A project manager today, and there are many great ones, their task is really to deliver a project on time, on budget. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they're not really tasked with thinking through, you know, what are the, the challenges that my client is facing? What kind of programs should we be doing that's going to help them grow and them thrive and succeed? And what I'm not seeing is who is representing the client's needs, the client thinking at the highest level. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it anymore. Why? Why has this happened? For a couple of reasons. One is it was in vogue to further specialize the account management function. There are some people that are great at project management. There are some people that are good strategic thinkers. Let's not ask somebody to do two things. Makes sense. But on the other side of it, I think part of it was taking cost out of the business. And when you have decreasing margins, more commoditization, a more competitive environment, you look to take costs out. And a lot of that was done by taking out the more experienced parts of the team that were more, quote, more expensive. But these were the people, in my experience, that really knew how to lead clients. And they also were very good at working inside 
of a client account and learning, you know, where are there opportunities to grow the business here? So the good news, because so far this is a big bummer. Thanks. <laughs> so you said you were bullish about some of the future things. What are some of the opportunities that maybe agencies are missing? What are some opportunities that you think are out there? Whenever you end up seeing agencies that have the ability to think strategically in terms of what can they do to truly help their client's business beyond the communication program that they may be tasked with. I think those agencies have opportunity, but I think when you look at what clients are struggling with, clients still struggle with innovation, where I gave that example before, where there can be innovation labs that agencies provide to their clients. But that would be an investment, of course, because there's no revenues... If there's no revenue now, you got to invest in it and hope that your clients will... There's level of investment. But I think the other thing is, and as we talk through this consultancy, I think there is a creative disruption that's occurring right now in the business that's reshaping the business. And I think that is really where the business is going. It's not going to be, in a sense, the old business just hanging on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's going to have to be reformed with new skill sets. And as the business becomes more data-driven, more technical, you know, obviously there's agencies that have grown some of their competencies in their area. Those agencies are thriving, but there's many agencies that they have to outsource all that type of heavy lifting work. And that's also a place where the consultancies moved in. But, you know, the question now is, are consultancies a separate business or are they the same business? Well, I think we know the answer to that. We do, and that is they've become now among the very biggest ad agencies in the world. Yeah, Deloitte and Accenture, PwC, yeah. E&Y. I mean, they're, they are all now very large ad agencies with tens of thousands of employees, and their business is growing. And what is the innovation they're bringing that agencies aren't? Consultancies are now coming in at a different place than the agency. They're coming in at the C-suite. They're able to talk through strategic business issues at the very highest level. And then they're helping marry their strategy to business operations, to IT systems, to, you would say, customer experience all the way through digital transformation and providing all the services in the chain. Mm-hmm. Some agencies you hear here and there are responding by saying, we're going to create a, a consultancy of our own. Yeah, you have a consultancy of your own with 20 people. Yeah. Accenture has 500,000 people globally. <laughs> Many of these consultancies are adding to their marketing disciplines in any given year. Yeah, Literally tens of thousands of people. So the agency's response to that, I think, will be... You know, it's never, they're not going to win that battle long term or that war. They might win a battle here or two or skirmish, but they're not going to win that war. So what, where is the place for an agency, an existing agency? Because you're right, they're flat when everything else is growing. So where is their place in the future? As I mentioned, you have a hyper-competitive business condition where they are all battling each other for every scrap that that exists. You know, that's going to continue to go on. They will probably end up going down market as they get displaced from the biggest clients Mm -hmm. who are now turning to those, I would really now say those consultancies are consultancy Mm -hmm. hybrid agency businesses. Yeah. I knew this was happening a few years ago when we started to see that we were a pretty small agency. We were in 
a pitch against a huge Ogilvy or JWT. And you're like, what? We're never in their sandbox. And now they're coming after clients that were at our level. That's been going on for a few years now. Many of the people that have also left, you would say, the JWTs, the bigger agencies who then started their own shops, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a shop like yourself, a consultancy that I've um, created. I mean, you know, we're in a business where the barrier to entry is very low for Mm -hmm. the traditional agency service. You obviously have to deliver for your clients, otherwise you don't have much of a business. But it's very easy for you as a small shop in some instances, to compete with a larger shop, provided that the scope of work is relatively small. Mm-hmm. But if you were, you know, if you needed to, let's say, have uh, 4,000 ads done for Delta Magazine across all their platforms next week for, you know, um, mm-hmm. spring sale, you know, that's not going to be where you're going to play. Incidentally, that client came back, by the way. Awesome. <laughs> They're smart clients. Yeah. <laughs> I once heard someone say, you know, every client deserves the advertising they get. So, yeah. <laughs> right. So if they're, they're coming back to you, it's because they're getting the, the right stuff from the right people. I'm still not clear on what agencies can do. It's a, they can't compete with the consultants on the consultancy level. No. Nope. Um, they can compete in creativity. I mean, how valued is creativity now, do you think? Every client business, every business that's out there needs to have innovation and they need some level of differentiation if they're going to be highly successful. And you look across almost any category, the level of parity offerings, the amount of competition in a given category is intense, but the people that are most differentiated and have the most innovation are going to be the most successful performers. Those agencies that do a phenomenal job of providing innovation in the work that they provide to their clients, but also help their clients become more innovative entities, become more differentiated from their competition. There's got to be a place for them. Let's say where Capital One now has their banking cafes, right? So it's it's a different form of branch bank in a different type of location than a mm-hmm. branch bank. Yeah. So whether that came from Capital One yeah. or whether that came from an agency they were working with or yeah. an ideation shop. It enables Capital One to have a new form of outreach to yeah. new customers in a less intimidating setting that opens up their business. On the agency side, I would say an agency like RGNA over many years leveraged their production knowledge and skill sets to move from TV production into digital into many new forms of services capabilities. Mm -hmm. They've always been out front and for themselves, they look at recreating themselves and recasting themselves every five years or so. So how many big agencies have you seen that have completely recast themselves um, every five years and have the the courage to do that and the ability to do that? It's not an easy thing to do. A long, long time ago, this uh, I read, and uh, I think it was a it was in the Harvard Business Review. It was a great article about slide rules, right? At some point in time, they were manufacturers of slide rules, and if you asked them what they did, they probably said something to the effect of, "We make the highest quality slide rules," and blah 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 blah. But if they really stopped and thought about what they offered, 
you know, they help people calculate, they help people solve problems. They might have, had they had that mindset, they might've invented the calculator, they might've invented the computer, but now they're all out of business because they didn't look at the core thing that they offered their client. And it sounds like, from what you're saying, agencies are sort of doing the same thing. We're storytellers, which everyone says. Right. And and if you said you are truly in the business of building your client's business, mm-hmm. then to your point, you might start thinking about it differently. And and I would say every agency will say we're, you know, we're business builders. That's part of what we sure. do. But the reality is they restrict that typically to the communications discipline, not necessarily to, you know, you'd say white space. And yeah, what would right. the white space be if you were a business building entity? So you know, like the Capital One cafes. That's not a that's not a communications thing. It's more of a, a structural operational thing where you say, here's a way to engage people and, and make them connect with you in a different way. That that would be outside. Yeah, yeah I I think it's um you know, and, and for a Capital One that enables them to be differentiated from their competitive set and you know, good for them. So I want to ask you, you are brought in to sort of become the CMO's right-hand person. You know, like, I, here's here's my duties and I need another temporary CMO because right now I can't handle all this. Tell me about that more because that, that's an interesting phenomenon I see happening as well. I look at it as an adjunct CEO yeah. or CMO, sorry. So meaning that I am not there in place of or waiting for a new hire to come in. So I'm working side by side with the client. And the reason for that is when you look at what client clients have to do in the client side marketing today, it's, it's really a brutally difficult job. So they have so much mm-hmm. internal stuff that they have to manage between all the different CRM marketing automation systems, tracking and reporting systems that they have all the different outreach channels that they have, their ability to coordinate a program all the way through their organization. And if they are far flung, meaning a global organization and so forth, it's daunting. Mm -hmm. And so there's just not enough hours in the day to run all that inside work while also managing a stable of agencies and all of the programs and projects that they're running. So the client will bring me in in some instances, to help form those teams, to help with planning and budgeting, and then to program manage all of that external activity. So between the two of us, we get it all done. Whereas if that client were there by themselves, they would be really struggling. And so my goal is to help that client then move into, rather than playing strictly a defensive role, going fire to fire, having to address various issues and kind of dropping one thing to address something else. It's like, how do we get ahead of it? Mm-hmm. How do we then be, develop innovative approaches to marketing uh, and get it done and just improve their quality of life and also get better programs um, built? Yeah, I've seen that. And we talked about it a little bit on here a while back where it was, you know, the CMO role has become so, so complicated that they're they're overwhelmed because every aspect of a, a customer contact or internal communications, every experience now is kind of under marketing. It is overwhelming. The two models I've seen is they every department has incorporated some sort of decentralized marketing, which doesn't seem to work in my opinion, or you have a CMO 
who has a lot more than she or he can can handle. The CMO is is really no longer, you would say, just the client-side person who's in charge with getting the campaign out the door. There's all these other touch points that have to be managed, processes that have to be managed. It's daunting what they have to do, plus the brand that they develop. They have to transform culture mm-hmm. with that branding so everybody lives and breathes the brand and believes in the brand. Yeah. Um, and so that also affects, you know, their recruitment. It affects their investor relations. Um, the CMO also has to be an absolutely brilliant, polished, you know, presenter mm-hmm. internally, you know, uh, let alone managing all the activity through their, their own organization. But I think the other point that's there is I have yet to run into a client organization that's not extremely lean. And that's even a nice way of saying understaffed. Yeah. I mean, they're all understaffed tremendously and there's typically not a lot of strategic resources that are there. There's obviously some, but they're, they're not deep in that discipline and they're usually running so lean that it's difficult to get work done through organizations. Traditionally, marketing is the thing that gets cut in a downturn. It's the thing that the people making the cuts can't see, feel, I feel like they don't understand really what it does. Is the how marketing be, is being viewed changed? Has the definition of what marketing is changed? So first cut, last to be restored yeah. for most companies in a downturn. And the thing about it is there's so much research that's out there that says those companies that don't do that, that specifically go against that, that grain and invest during those downturns, they, they gain profitable market share. They grow faster than their peer group. They do better. But in the face of companies, when they are experiencing a downturn, Many of them don't make the right long-range decision. Do I think marketing has expanded? I think in the end, you know, a company has two things to do. They have to make stuff, a product or a service, and they have to sell it. And so marketing falls into the sell side. I don't think at the highest level it's fundamentally changed. But I think what you'd say is the recognition that Everything is affected by marketing in terms of what we make, what we do, how we go to market, how we touch the customer, how we drive a customer experience. I think, you know, there's greater recognition that marketing has a a very beneficial impact on companies. But at the same time, you'd say CMOs are still, you know, finding it hard to one have tenures that are enabling them to have a lot of equity internally with their management teams and really kind of earning a place at the C-suite table for the biggest and most important conversations in their company. So on the one hand, yes, it's expanding. It's more important. Uh, The CMOs themselves are are still struggling to get to, you would say, the the highest levels of recognition within their companies. Yeah. Actually, I read a study that that backs that up. CMOs feel like they don't feel like they have as much voice in in the C-suite. And I think the, the reality is there's turnover there because companies are, you know, on the one hand, they're restless for transformation. They have big appetites and big needs, uh, usually underfunded. Yeah. And it can take a long time for somebody to really affect significant amount of change while also running the ship, right? You know, yeah. You're flying the plane and having to fix the plane. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's difficult. How do we fix all that? I'm not necessarily bullish 
on the traditional agency, the multinational, you know, publicly traded agency holding company business model. It's going to look very different than what people might have forecast. But somewhere out there, there's people inside the consultancies recognize the opportunity to glue together a broader offering and deliver value to their client customers. And they're winning that business and that business is growing significantly, much faster than what you're seeing the agencies are doing. So there is a change that's afoot. And as, as an example, a good friend of mine that I knew from you know my older agency days is inside one of these consultancies. And the work he's doing is fascinating, not what a typical agency assignment would be at all. And there's the demand for his group services, which is a marketing team inside of one of the big consultancies, is is daunting. I mean, his problem is there's not enough hours in the day to get to all the stuff that they need. Meanwhile, if I go back into the traditional agency world, everyone is essentially starved for new business. How do we get more business? Yeah. And you're seeing inside these consultancies, they're going at a much faster rate. They're gluing together a service offering, which is very different than the traditional agency model, but they're doing it successfully. You know, time will tell. They're buying great talent. I mean, they bought up a hell of a lot of talent. And a lot of people said, well, you know, the great creative teams are not going to end up there. They're ending up there. And yeah. probably the smartest, you know, creative shops will end up saying, you know what, that does represent an opportunity for the long term. So rather than be resistant to that, I can guarantee you they will become much more uh, amenable to offers to come inside these big companies and do some interesting things. We talked about unmet needs. When you look at the landscape, what are the trends that concern you the most and what excites you the most? So let's start with the, the concern. We're in a election year. Mm-hmm. We hear about Russian meddling and so forth in our, in our elections. We also hear about some of the social platforms are turning away political advertising. Others are not, and they're not necessarily going to require truth in advertising. Mm. But the thing that bothers me the most or that concerns me the most is now this development of deep fake video. And so, you know, it's one thing if you say, I'm going to put, I'm going to marry the matrix with the office and I'm going to do something funny. Yeah. It's another thing when you can literally have anybody in the world saying anything you want them to say and that what that manipulation means. Yeah. So in the political landscape, frightening. Yeah. But go beyond that. And then you end up saying where we now live in a world where people are, their trust of institutions has fallen mm-hmm. given the rise of, you know, purpose-driven communications, but yeah. trust is down. What could one competitor do to another competitor using deep fakes? Yeah. And people are in their media tunnel, so they'll believe whatever, as long as it agrees with their worldview. Anything that looks real and smells real. I mean, the fact is it works in, you know, phishing emails. Um, It's now very, it can be very difficult for people to discern when they're in a man man in the middle attack on a website, Pizzagate. I remember the story, obviously I, I never heard it, but I've, I've seen recordings of it. Orson Welles in 1938, the war of the world's broadcast was supposedly created panic. Now some of that is disputed, 
But the reality was if you had, you know, listened into that broadcast and you didn't hear the preamble before it that said that this is a fictionalized event, yeah. it could lead you to believe that it was in fact happening and it was a crazy thing. We've seen that people's ability to no longer discern the truth and to be manipulated as a result. So yeah, in the political realm, it could exist, but it could also exist, you know, very much more broadly. I'm also very, very excited about things like AR and augmented reality and, and virtual reality because yeah. of the type of immersive experiences that can be created, or in the case of AR, the layering of information that could be very mm-hmm. useful to people or very entertaining to people. You could say, like, for example, is there still a place for agencies in the world? Yeah, in these new disciplines, because yeah. there is such an incredible wow factor and the ability to to deliver experiences that yeah. we've never had before as a recipient of marketing messages and communication, entertainment. Now you're right. You point your phone at something to find out the price of it or the history of that building, and suddenly you have an opportunity to tell a neat story that can bring somebody in with, with um, augmented reality. And you know, people have been doing that now, whether it's you know, you could put your phone on across a basketball game and get layers of statistics on players that yeah. you may not have seen before. I was at an event recently and there was a really, really simple thing done for one of the Caribbean destinations where they had Oculus go there and you could, you know, take a visit to this country and, you uh-huh. know, see it. And, and, and it was filmed for 3D virtual reality immersive experience and they yeah. did a great job. It goes beyond just let's say the beautiful photography, but now as you bring in to think about what that means for destinations, for any form of marketing of a, of a physical place or object, it's, it's incredible. Jeff, thanks for joining me. We're going to continue talking, but I, this, I got a chance to record it. So I'm really happy about that. These conversations I value. So it's a lot of fun for me as well. So yep. thanks for having me. We're going to stop recording and, and rant about healthcare now. So Okay. <laughs> Well, that's it for this episode of Marketing Upheaval. If you want to learn more about Jeff and get his thoughts, reach him on LinkedIn. Look for Jeff Silverman 1. The link is also on our show notes at creativeouthouse.com slash podcast. And also check out Jeff's article on our website. You can link there from creativeouthouse.com slash podcast. Thanks, Susan Cooper, for producing the show. And go Paul Swamy for our ear con and Jason Shablik for his audio advice. The world's in more upheaval now than any of us ever expected. So let's look out for each other. What do you say? See ya.